a homily for the third Sunday of Lent. My dear friends, today I would like to meditate on the crowning of thorns. So let us place ourselves again in that place, the Roman court, where our Lord has just been scourged. Witness our Lord after that terrible torture, as he is dragged to the corner of the place and thrown on the floor, as if he was some vagabond, some criminal, some worthless human being. The soldiers leave him there, but my friends, pause for a second. It often happens that we have become so accustomed to consider the sufferings of our Lord, we have become so accustomed to see them depicted in movies, portrayed in the arts, in pictures, that we lose the horror that we should have for them. We lose the impression that they should cause us. We miss the gravity of what he went through. And that's why it is often useful to take the sufferings of our Lord and translate them to our daily lives, to the people that we know, so that having understand that understanding them better through our own experience, through people that are closer to us, we can come back translating them to our Lord now with a better knowledge of them. My friends, to better consider the cruelty of what we did to Jesus Christ during the crowning of thorns. Think of the fact that when he, when, when he was made to wear the thorns, he was already an agonizing man. Our Lord, as I said, was already too weakened by the scourging and by the previous ill treatments. Imagine then, imagine that you're in a hospital and imagine that you see a man in the hospital in his agonizing throes, he's agonizing in his deathbed. But then a bunch of cruel men come in to the room. They take him, they drag him out of his bed, they bring him down to the streets, and they start beating him and torturing him in the streets. How horrified we would feel if we were to witness such a thing. Well then, then translate that now to your Savior, to your Father and your Creator. Because it is in the middle of agonizing pain and his agony already happening that these soldiers drag him back again to the middle of the court and they sit him up perhaps in a small, sto small stone, perhaps in some broken column, perhaps in some bench, and there they start mocking him. They bring an old cloth and they throw it on his back. And the joking at his expense continues as another soldier starts preparing a new cruelty. But while that is going on, let us consider our Lord. What was he thinking? He knew what was coming. He knew that was what was going to happen. But was he afraid? Was he lamenting? Was he complaining in his heart? No, my dear friends, the heart of our Lord was filled with light and with love. In his heart there was, as if you were, if you will, as a burning fire that was always ascending to the Father and always trying to burn the men around him, always trying to burn the hearts of men with love of God. Do you want to know what he was thinking? I can tell you. I can tell you because we read it in the Psalms, we read it in the prophecies. He was saying to his Father, as he was sitting there, covered with blood, covered with scars, Father, glorify thy name. 
Behold, I am here to do thy will, I am here to do thy bidding. The Lord God is my helper, he said, as he raised his eyes, his bloodshot eyes, up to the heavens. The Lord God is my helper, therefore I am not confounded. I have set my face as a hard rock to receive the blows. I know I shall not be confounded. But the soldier comes back. He has now fashioned a new instrument of torture. And he comes with a crown shaped like a helmet of hard, long, sharp thorns to bring it upon the head of our agonizing Lord. He bends the knee, mockingly adoring him, and then helped by others, he stretches the ring of the thorns to make it bigger. He brings it down to surround the sacred head and then lets it back, fall back to its size, so that the thorns clamp around the forehead and sides of our Lord, and then the other soldiers finish the job pushing it down with a reed. To do this upon a dying man is malice that is not human, is diabolical. But we shouldn't be surprised, because a man who remains in sin is nothing less than diabolical. Witness then our Lord's face, bathed in red, as the prophet had seen it before, and his eyes are now clouded and blinded by the flowing blood that soaks his hair and covers entirely his countenance. But my friends here, let us consider the thorns for a moment. The thorns are a different torture than all the other ones in the Passion, because the thorns are a pain that lasts, that remains, is something that weighs on our Lord continuously, without interruption, is something that is permanently there. And what does this remind us of? Do you want to know what these thorns are? Who they are? These thorns are those sinners that remain for weeks, for months, even perhaps just days or hours without repenting from their sin. The sinner that sins and repents is like a blow, is like a strike, is a lash of the scourge. It hurts our Lord greatly, it leaves a scar, but it ceases. But a thorn is a sinner that sins and in unspeakable madness decides to remain in sin, never recanting. He's nailing, he's drilling, he's piercing our Lord and remaining in there causing continuous pain without yielding, without relief. Digging deeper and deeper into our, into our Lord's skin, widening the wound, drawing always new blood at all times. My friends, how many of us have been in this position? How many of us perhaps still are this? How many of us could look back into our lives and say, I am or I have been thorn, a thorn in our Lord's head? I am or I have been a thorn in our Lord's heart? I fear that as I'm saying all these things, you might say, these are theatrical expressions. These are words that Father is saying to cause an impression. These are rhetorical resources. But no, no, remember, these are realities that we speak of. This is really what happens. 
This is really who and what we are. My friends, as we consider these things, then let us not be thorns anymore. Let me stop that continual offending and wounding of Jesus. Let me right now make a resolution to get out of sin, whatever it takes, whatever humiliation is needed, whatever time I have to invest, whatever efforts I have to do, I must not be a continual thorn in our Lord's head and heart. But let us go back to our Lord. The soldiers are tired of just mocking him now. And in their drunkenness and barbarism, they take the wreath from our Lord's hand, and one of them, one more brutal than the rest, takes it and says, Ave, Rex Judeorum, and ends by hitting our Lord with the reed in the head. I picture our Lord falling to the ground from the blow, the crown breaking new wounds as, it falls on, as he falls and his head hits the ground, while the soldiers burst out laughing and all jump into this cruel new game. But our Lord drags himself back to the stone where he was sitting. And before even the soldiers come and raise him up again, he himself climbs up to his seat, takes perhaps the mantle again, puts the mantle on his, on his shoulders, sits, raises his head, looking forward, ready to receive another blow. And as you see our Lord there sitting there, voluntarily, to be hit in the head. Ask yourself, why is he doing this? Why is he presenting his face? What goes through his mind now? My friends, as you see our Lord sitting, his face broken, his body bathed in blood, his hand holding a reed, his head crowned with thorns, look at your master, look at your teacher, sitting at his cathedra, sitting at the chair from where he's teaching his class. This is the class of his example. Remember his words from the gospel, to him that striketh thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. See then our Lord raising his head and with his eyes, his red-covered eyes, he see, see him looking at you in the eyes and telling you these words that I take almost the same from the gospel. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If then I, being your Lord and Master, have made myself a slave, if I, being your Lord and Master, have humbled myself, you also ought to humble yourself. For I have given you an example, that as I have done to you, so you do also. Because the servant is not greater than the Lord. My friends, it takes this much to break our stone hearts hardened by pride. My soul, I ought to humble myself. I ought to make myself little. I ought to make myself nothing. I ought to make myself a slave of others. Our Lord has raised the bar of humility by bringing it to the lowest possible. And if he put himself so low, how low must I place myself to match him? 
if the head of the body is so low? Where should I be that I'm the feet of the body? Would I take insults? Would I take people being mean to me? Would I take humiliation? Would I take to be the pride of my place? Would I take to be obedient to other that is perhaps less intelligent than I am, or less worthy than I am, or less deserving than I am? When I am ordered, will I obey gladly? Will I give up my supposed privileges? Will I take a bit of confrontation? A bit of contradiction, a bit of insults. But I am proud not only with men, I am proud with God. Will I finally humble myself before God? I must kneel down, prostrate on my face, and finally confess, openly confess and acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I am evil that I have done wrong, that I do deserve hell. Will I finally bow, bow myself before God and become the slave and servant of God, seeing that God became the slave of man to give me an example? Dear Lord Jesus Christ, let your example be engraved into our hearts let the picture of your humiliation and sacrifice be always in front of us. We beg you today, dear Lord, to make our hearts and souls meek and humble like you were. Break, O Lord, our hardened hearts of stone. Break our pride. Bend our knees. Bend our backs and humble our foreheads before our God. Let us be humble with the strength of your humility. Let your passion be our food and drink. Let your blood come upon ourselves to wash and cleanse us, to make us be renewed today in true humility. Humility towards God first, and then towards our fellow men. O Lord, make these words resound in our ears ever from now on. Exemplum de divobis, utet vos ita faciatis. I have given you an example that you go and do the same. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.